Well, if there's any young people that want to come up here, I am going to take this pan. I have some pretzels, some mini pretzels. So if you kids want to come up and sit on the... I don't care what age a kid you are if you want a pretzel. I probably should have done this before, but I thought, well, it'll be safer in the bag. Now I'm going to set it on a place where it could fall. Um, Any gluten intolerant kids? You might not want a pretzel. I say that because of Cecilia, my daughter, who's grown up now. She's not a little kid, so she's not up here, I guess. Try to take one that's not broken, okay? And as you take it, don't eat it yet. We want to use it to show your parents. Is that a whole one? Did you get a whole one? It's a whole one. I thought it was broken. There you go. Try not to. You want one? Oh, that's a broken one. Take another one. Okay. See how long it takes me to get started on this. We're going to go to John 1.1, kids. And it's going to be a part of something we're learning today. Good job. All right. You know. Whoops, sorry. Bonk, how many people can I bonk on the head? I suppose I should have had a helper spread these out. But in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, we find a wonderful truth that it teaches us about the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody Has anybody turned there for me? I can quote it, but I'm going to... Oh, there it is. In the beginning was the Word. And you'll notice, kids, look up there. See, the, see it say Word? The W is capitalized, right? Because we properly understand that this is a proper noun. A word being a proper noun. That means a name given for someone. In the context of the chapter, the word is Jesus. So who's the word represent? Or who is the word? Jesus. Who's the word? Jesus. Okay. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was... Anybody read that for me? Was God. So if Jesus is the Word, then Jesus is God. So Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now, it's also talking about creation here in this passage, that Jesus has always been there. In the beginning, what is it, does that sound familiar? Anybody ever read Genesis 1-1? Yeah? Anybody quote it? Starts out about the same way. Yep, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here it starts out, in the beginning was the Word. And so we're going to learn a little bit about who Jesus is, but what I want you to understand is Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Now somebody tell me, how many holes are in this pretzel? Three. Are they all part of the pretzel? Yeah. But is 
is this hole here, right here on the left, the same hole as the one on the right? No. What about the bottom hole? Okay, so when we talk about the Trinity, we talk about the Father, God the Father, God the Son, Yes, God the Holy Spirit. And I heard some of you whisper, as I was saying, somebody, when I was saying God the Father, some of you whispered God the Father, some of you whispered when I was getting to God the Son, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And here's a quote for the parents. I'm not going to give it to, to you kids. It's kind of difficult, but it's important. What One, okay, what you need to remember about the Lord Jesus. He is God, right? Is Jesus the Father? No. But is Jesus God? Yes, he is, right? So he's distinct from the Father, but there's how many gods do we worship? One. Just like this pretzel, there's just one pretzel. Okay? To help us understand, three persons co-equal, so they're equal. Jesus is equal with the Father. But what did Jesus do? You remember? He died on the cross. You know why he died on the cross? It's because he's willing to say, Father, even though I'm equal with you, I will submit to your plan and your purpose. So Jesus, who is God, was willing to do what the Father wanted him to do so that we could be saved. And when we come to know Jesus as our Savior, He has promised and He does give us, as we believe, the Holy Spirit. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Lord Jesus. But the thing is, how many, how many gods do we worship? One. Only one. The true God. But there's three persons within the Godhead. So there's three holes, one pretzel. Right? Okay. Hopefully I did not confuse you. But just remember, we worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Right? So as I go through my message, we're going to ask, what does it matter? Anybody wondering that? Hmm. Well, let's think about it. Let's pray, and then you can eat your pretzel if you want. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Heavenly Father, for sending your Son. And Lord Jesus, that you would be willing to, to suffer and die on the cross to pay for the penalty of, of our sins in your body. Lord Jesus, that not only that you, you died, but you rose again and you're coming again, so you have power and authority. Not only that, but you are our creator and our sustainer. And so we give you... Uh, we give you, we seek to give you all the honor and glory. Lord, please be with these kids. Help them to understand how blessed they are to get to know you. To be able to have a right relationship with you. And I pray that they grow up understanding the value of knowing you and serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks kids. So you think you can kind of explain to your parents what you learned today a little bit? Anybody? No? Yeah? Just give us more pretzels. How's that?
quote up there on the, the projector is one of my favorite quotes in understanding the, the Trinity. And we are going to go to the Gospel of John this week and next week and uh, look at it. And, you know, I, I, I took um, some time this week praying, reviewing what we've studied trying to figure out and think about and pray through what, what we need to, to study and, and facing what so many of us may be facing. I mean, if, if all of our church family comes in on a Sunday morning, it just makes the diversity greater in the sense of the issues that we're facing, the stages of life that we're in, the difficulties uh, that we see on the horizon. And, and yet there's a lot of things that we're facing in life that we all understand it's there. There's things that are being addressed by the United States government the, through the, the Supreme Court. Um, and some of the things you may say, well, that's just kind of political. But there are some major things. When I, I, I read a couple of things early this morning, one has to do with Christian colleges having to violate what the Bible says about standards concerning their dorms. And so pray for uh, Ozarks, uh, College of the Ozarks, as they are going before a circuit of appeals. Um, and there's just a lot of things that we face together as we look at our culture and our nation, not just uh, in the government and politics, but also as we look at the, the cultural uh, digression or progression of immorality or morality, that whole battle there. There's so many things that we could see that are, are difficulties within our state, and yet individually we're all facing different things. And some of those things are similar, but not the same. So as I was looking at, you know, in 2022, what can we do? Looking at the past, what we've studied. And yet, I think this is one of the passages I love to come to. I've, I've memorized in the past. It's just a great gospel, a great passage of truth here in the Gospel of John. And so we may have studied it, but yet, even though we may have dabbled here in the Gospel of John or spent a great deal of time in it, um, I think it's important for us to come back to it. It got me thinking about a lake or a pond, you know, and, and, and we can take this illustration and consider it amongst theology or when we try to seek to understand God or the Trinity or anything the Bible teaches on specific truths, that is theology, that we, as we look at a, a pond or a lake, we can have a general idea knowing the location where we are, whether it's Arnold Recreational Area. We can look out across and see the trees, and we can look and see whether there's rocks that make up the, the shoreline or not. We can see whether what kind of trees there are. We can see whether it's overgrown with moss or clear, or if it's a clear blue, or if it's a dark, mossy color. Sometimes we can look into the shores and see fish, and yet we still have not been enmeshed 
into that lake to fully understand everything that composes of that lake. We can read the sign that says what kind of fish are in the lake. We can jump in with snorkeling gear if you're able to. Anybody ever go snorkeling? I've never. I'd probably drown myself, but we can jump, or we could just dip the toe in it. We could figure out the temperature. We could even get schematics and figure out the, the depth charts, you know, the topography of the lake, and still not fully understand the full uh, depths or all of what the lake contains. And so I just want to challenge you with that reality when we come to understand the Lord God that we have just barely touched the surface in understanding who God is. And we have barely touched the surface in our relationship and intimacy with the Lord Jesus. And so we must take great effort, make great, uh, seek to make great progress in walking with Him daily and understanding what the Word of God says about Him. And so if we've been in the Gospel of John, if you're like me and love this passage and the whole book of the Gospel of John, there is so much more that we can learn. Knowing God and His truths is, is just very similar to that, that lake or that pond that i just given you an illustration about. You know, even the oldest, most mature believer, we have just skimmed the surface. And so we need to dive into God's Word. And even as we dive into God's Word, we still may miss a great many truths. But this should not stop us or drive, uh, but it should drive us into a greater intimate relationship with Him. And now to the point, uh, what I shared with the youth, the kids this morning, and what we're going to get into, I want you to ask one question, okay? One question as we go through this. You say, that's kind of a silly question. Does it matter? And maybe this question comes from the reality as we had a board meeting this week and we were talking about certain people who know the truth that yet remain uh, unbelievers or atheistic in their leanings. They know ahead, they have a head knowledge. Um, how would they answer this question? When it comes to the passage that I'm going to read, when it comes to the understanding of what the Bible teaches, where would you put yourself, what would you answer to this question? Does it matter? Does it all really matter? Does it matter who Jesus is? And does it matter what Jesus did? So as I read John 1, 1 through 20, kind of keep that question in the back of your mind, does this matter? And so I'm going to read 1, 1 through 20 and verse 29. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me, for of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Jumping down to verse 28. These things took place uh, in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing, now 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Again, verse 30 uh, refers back to a previous verse in verse 17 and 18. But to make a wonderful Uh, beginning to the Gospel of John, which is a chiasm, kind of speaks to the reality of what's going to be in the Gospel of John. Uh, We're not going to take time to look at all of that. There are so many truths about God in this passage, and I hope to try not only to bring some of these truths to light, but also help us grapple with why it matters, and mainly why it matters. So the question I had asked you is, does it matter? I'm sure you have the easy Sunday school answer, but really continue to ponder that question. So what does this mean? So what it says first is that really if, you know, there's a lot of ways that I've broken this passage down in the past, but I want to break it down for you um, again in a different way, what it says first is that Jesus is everything. He is everything. That's pretty simplistic, isn't it? (laughs) How is He everything? Well, look at verse 1 and 2. Again, what I shared with the, the kids here and all of you, hopefully we're paying attention as well, is Jesus is eternal, really co-eternal. It starts out in the beginning, before creation of the cosmos, the Word, also known as, a.k.a. 
Jesus was there. He has always existed. He wasn't just there. He was there with and in the presence of God the Father. And He wasn't just there. He was and He is God. And we all know this, right? Hopefully we all know this. This is a wonderful truth. John 10.30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And so really, Jesus is co-eternal with the Father. He and the Father are one. He is God. But remember, as we were talking about the Trinity, He is God the Son. He is distinct. There is more teaching about the eternality of God. Um, But today I want to ask you to again think about, and you kids as well, doesn't matter that Jesus is eternal. And doesn't matter that Jesus is everything. He is everything because he is ter- eternal. He is everything because he is the creator. And verse 3 through 5, we read about how not only that he was in the beginning, not only that he was with the, the Father, God the Father, but he is co creator which leaves nothing to chance. Okay, verse 3. Nothing is left or was left to chance. Do you understand that? It wasn't by chance that anything came into being or supposedly crawled out of that primordial goo. Nothing was left to chance. We could go back and look at all the biblical truth about what happened in specific time frames, but we could just rest on this verse. Nothing, absolutely nothing happened by chance. Jesus was involved in creating it. He was involved in creating the cosmos. Every aspect of creation, Jesus had a part in it. Every decision of creation, Jesus had had a hand in it. Nothing, again, was left to chance. And you might ask, does this matter? Good. We're on the same page here. But Jesus is not just the creator of life. It goes on to say in this passage in verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That is really, the only reason there is life is because of Jesus. He is life. I don't know if we fully grasp what it says there. But Jesus, in him was life. He and the Father and the Holy Spirit made life and they are life. Really. And there could be no life if there was no Jesus. Nothing was left to chance. Then we go on to verse, uh, go back to verse 1, and we could jump down to verse 14 where it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld, sorry, among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
We might also go to John 8, 58. A favorite passage of mine. That's why we're going there. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Verse 59, they picked up stones to stoning because they understood this is blasphemy. He says he is God. Jesus proclaimed to be God. He is God. In verse 15, not only is He God, but because He is God, because He is Creator, because He is eternal, Jesus is also sovereign. And in verse 15, as well as if we were to jump down to verse 30, and, and verse 30 really points to, the, again, how Jesus is eternal, but also has a sense, as it's verse 15 has a sense, that Jesus is sovereign. He has a higher rank than I, John said. Not only a higher rank than John, but he is sovereign. He has the power, right? He has power. He has all the power, right? He is God. So he has authority, right? Does he? Does Jesus have the authority? Is he sovereign? He has the ability, right? And so we're coming back to these simple truths, and I just want you to ask this question does this really matter? You know, there's a lot of kids that oftentimes misunderstand the authority of their parents when the parents are merciful and patient. Any of you kids ever get in that position? I would tow the, I would try to, you know, at times when I was not being on my best behavior, see just how far I could take their patience. And a lot of people in society today, in the world today, say, well, God is not doing anything. Does God even exist? Or maybe he exists, but he lets me do this. Let's see how far we can take it. And I believe the United States is at that point in morality saying, let's see how far we can take it. He will judge. Do not take his mercy and his patience. Uh, Don't take advantage of it. But, when you're parents, you, you come to learn how far you can go if you're smart. <laughs> if you want to live, right? Kids, maybe? No? Teenagers are like, yeah, they don't do anything anymore. They ain't going to do anything. As a, a smaller kid, younger than a teen, we learn to know what lines not to cross. Correct? Even with the sibling. You ever been there? And sometimes we're like, I'm just going to cross it. I don't care. Let's not cross that line. So what does it matter? If Jesus is everything, he's eternal, he's creator, he is God, he is sovereign. Are we towing that line? Are we trying to push the Lord's patience as far as we can take it? And if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, would we even try to do that? So does it matter who Jesus is? Let's, let's, let's move on. Just look at a couple more truths here. Secondly, this passage says that Jesus is the answer. 
Not only that, he is everything, and by everything I mean that he is it, but here he is the answer. Look at verse 4 through 11, if we, you know, and, and, and we're not going to take the time about the testimony of John uh, here later in the passage, but for and begins to talk about how he is the light and, the, and, and those that, that should know him did not accept him, did not comprehend him. Um, and then John came to proclaim the message, to testify about the light. He wasn't that light, but he proclaimed the truth about that light. So we come to this point where we see that Jesus is light. Not only is Jesus the creator, but he is life and therefore light. And a major part of creation was light. <laughs> but what does that mean? And so just we're just going to touch on it just briefly. There's probably a lot more we could talk about the illumination. Illumination. Let's say, imagine if there was no moon, no sun, no stars, no campfire light when you're out in the dark camping, no flashlight when electricity goes out, no street lights, no lights at all. Praise God that we can see, and we can take this and look at this later when we look at Jesus healing the blind. But what if we were unable to navigate, we would be lost, correct? This passage reveals that Jesus is who we need and that Jesus is the answer and saves us from our lostness. Yet people have rejected He who they need and the answer to everything. We also find in this passage, and we're just breezing through this very quickly, Jesus is Savior. Look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Both of those. Verse 16. For of His fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. The truth is, we are lost without Jesus. We are condemned to eternal hell. Because even the smallest sin, just even existing because of what Adam and Eve did, they sinned. There is none righteous, no, not one. We need a Savior, and Jesus is a Savior full of grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor towards us. He is full of truth. He never ignores the reality of justice, but He stepped in to bear the penalty that we deserve so that He can dispense His grace upon us. Look at verse 17 and verse 20. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Verse 20, And He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. And then we jump down to verse 29 where he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. One, 
Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one. Two, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. And notice verse 12 and 13. Have you received Jesus? Kids? Even if your parents bring you to church and even if your parents are believers and even if your parents do devotions with you and even if you memorize verses and even if you know the Bible better than some of the people, some of the adults here at church or some of the other kids here at church, you have to make this decision. You have to turn to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ As your Savior. Kids, have you trusted in the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Number one, you're sinners just like the rest of us, us adults. We're all sinners. Secondly, we need Jesus. Have you turned to Him seeking forgiveness? Asking Him into your life or your heart? As we used to say when I was a kid. But if you have, you are now If you have, you are now a child of God. You're born not of the will of flesh or nor nor of the will not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. We are born as children of God. And look at verse twelve still. Even to those who believe in his name, have you believed in who Jesus is and what he has done? Have you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Jesus is Savior. And the question is, does it matter? You're like, yeah, why do, we, why do you keep asking that question? Let's get done and go home. I just want to challenge you one more time to understand if my clicker will work. Jesus is real. Therefore, Jesus is a Savior. Jesus is light. We're lost without Him. And so, if you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, do you walk with Him daily? Do you spend time with Him daily? And because Jesus is real, we come back to that question, does this matter? Why are we spending time on something that we've known since, you know, kindergarten or we were little or you you youngins, you kids might say, yeah, I kind of knew this all along. Mom and Dad have always taught me these truths. I understand them. And, you know, we say, well, I'm just, this is good. Yeah, I know and... mm And the question is, does it matter? And what change has it made for you in your daily decisions? Does it change how you view life? Does it change what you were going to do, what you are going to do, where you're going, what your profession is, your outlook on the day? Does it matter? It should matter. And now the question is, Do I live like it matters? Do I? You know, all the world, all the, sorry, all the knowledge in the world does not matter if you do not have Christ. All the knowledge of the Bible does not matter unless you have come to the point where Jesus matters a great deal to you. And so much so that you lay all your sin, you lay all of your wants, 
You lay everything down at His feet. You lay your burdens down at the cross and you trust in Him. And so the great appeal for you today is that we as followers of Jesus understand not only that we should live as though who He is and what He has done matters a great deal to us, but that we have the answer for everything, for a lost and dying world. And as we look around at this world and at our nation, we need to raise up, uh, you know, we need people coming from this church going out every day into the community, reaching others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we should see some of you, as I look out at rural Nebraska and then greater Nebraska and then throughout this nation, we're... We struggle in evangelicalism even to have pastors. And we struggle to have Sunday school teachers in places. Maybe not in this church you have a pastor and we have Sunday school teachers. But should we struggle? If people really believe that Jesus matters, should, should that be a problem? No. Should it be a problem that there are people in the United States today who do not clearly understand the gospel? Have you asked your classmates? Have you asked your friends if they know who Jesus is or understand what it means to have Jesus as their Savior? Does it matter? Really, and we can look at, okay, things can get very detailed and we can say, oh, we have professionals to handle people who are undergoing this problem and we have people that can help others here and this and this and this and this and they still may need that. But if they have Jesus, don't have Jesus as their Savior, none of that matters. You got the picture? And therefore, you may not be able to solve the most intricate problems that this person may have, but you do have the answer because Jesus is everything. He is the answer. And the question is, do we live like that? Do we believe that? Do we understand that we have the answer for everything? And some of us might even say, well, I can't even figure out my own life. Well, you may not be able to figure it out, but if you're walking with Jesus in an intimate relationship, He will guide you to the right way of living and thinking about what you're struggling with. And He may not pull you out of it. You may have to deal with it the rest of your life, but you can deal with it if Jesus is everything to you. If you're walking intimately with Him daily. Not once a week, not once a month, not once a year, but daily. And kids, you can start this today. Spend time in the Word. If you don't know Jesus, talk to me. Talk to an adult here today. We'd love to talk about Jesus and how you can start an intimate relationship with Him. I love what Billy Graham says. God says there is no hope for the world aside from the cross. What that says is Jesus is everything and we have the answer It is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You that we can come and study Your Word. I ask, Lord, that You would help us to go out here in 2022 with great zeal to live for You and to walk
first with you daily. And as we walk with you daily, that we would be able to to point others to you in a better way and, and we could live in a way that produces uh, what, what others would see that would cause them to pause and think, hey, I want Jesus too. Lord, please help us to fully understand why, why the truth of your word and the truth about who you are, Jesus, you're fully God, fully man, uh, that, that the reality of who you are your person and your work, why it really matters. Help us to declare why it matters and how we live and that we would be able to help others understand verbally. We would teach and help others understand why you matter. Why all that matters. Lord, we thank you for your patience towards us. Help us not to take the time that you have given us for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we have our young youngsters come forward to take up this morning?